so funny. I just don't understand our music. Good morning, everybody. Really <coughs> glad. I, I, I know I was out last week. Uh, Mary Nell tried to poison me. She's got to try harder. But you had Hosanna uh, Wong, and I'm sure you enjoyed her, and I heard the message was wonderful, so I know you were in, in capable hands. All right, I'm going to begin today by asking for some participation. So I want you to shout out some things. Don't worry. Uh, nobody's going to record it, but I want to hear, what do you worry about? What, what causes you, because everybody does, what causes you to worry? Let me hear some of the things. Money. Hair loss. Just accept it, bro. Children. Work. Parents. Bathrooms. I swear I heard that. Health. Health. All right. I, I, as for me, I really, I see, I can't relate. I don't worry. I'm a pastor. Yeah, right. No, I get it. I worry about, uh, oh, geez, some, I worry about my kids. Yeah. I worry about my kids. Even though they're all grown, still worry about, you know, m- making right choices and finding the right people in their lives. And my grandkids who we got to have with us this week, I worry about them too, just to grow up and and uh, be functional, God-loving young men. I worry about finances, right? Did I pick the right numbers for Powerball this week, you know? It's always something. No, I do. Retirement, all those things. I worry about you guys. I, I love this community very deeply, but I, I, uh, some of you make me worry. Some of you stress me out, but some of you, no. I want to do well in, in here. I want to lead well. I, I worry about that. I really do, I, just because uh, I want you to know God. I want you to grow in the Lord and come to find him and, and have community in here. And so those things can get me like, how's it going? How are, how are people doing? So really, we all worry at some level about the things of life, where we're going, our human condition. Why? Because we don't have certainty about a whole lot of things, right? We don't have certainty. So worry is created in the space of uncertainty. So from where I am now to what's going to happen or what I know and, and what I don't know, what I see, what I can't see in this space of uncertainty, that's where worry can dwell. That's where stress can dwell. That's where anxiety can dwell. And if you experience that, that worry, that stress, that anxiety in the space of uncertainty, it's because it's just a default position of ours, right? You don't have to try to do it. That's, that's going to be the default is I'm going to worry about the things I don't know. It's not like, you know, okay, I need to really practice my worry. I need to try to, you know, I need some stress. How do I stress over this situation? It just comes. But here's what we got to realize is that we get to have a choice in what we put into that space between what I see and what I don't see. 
between where I'm at and, and what's, what's coming my way, and I don't, I don't know what it is. What is known, what is unknown. In that space, we have a choice. We can default and go into just worry or panic or anxiety, or we can learn how to put trust in there and faith in there and hope into that space. The battle for overcoming worry is deciding what you put into that space of uncertainty. That's not in your notes, write it down somewhere. Because when you're wondering about it, that's, that's in a nutshell what it is. The space of uncertainty. What do we put into that space? What are we gonna think about in that space? That's the battle over worry. So we're gonna look at a section of scripture today where Jesus is teaching his followers on how to overcome worry that leads to a life of trust. <clears throat> but just an important note. I am not talking about clinical uh, anxiety or depression today. If you are seeing a therapist or a doctor or on medication, continue to do that. I'm talking about just general stuff that we all deal with in life that can cause worry. And un, un, untamed, it can become very excessive, excessive. Don't raise your hand, but we got any worriers in this room? Well, at least you're honest. That's good, yeah. All right, I want to look at Jesus' remedy to worry, and then we're going to break down the teaching that preceded this thought. So let's read this out loud together. It's Matthew 6, 33. You ready? Here we go. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I know that sounds kind of like a Bible answer, you know, for worry. Seek the kingdom. The reason is because it's in the Bible. Is the reason that sounds like it's a Bible answer. <laughs> Seek the kingdom above every other thing. I don't want us to write that off because it sounds simplistic. I want to look at how that is true. <clears throat> so the first lesson we see is this. Write this down. This is a good uh, Sunday to take notes. If you don't have our app, just go get it right now. Download it. And we've got the, uh, the outline there. When God is first, everybody say when God is first, because that's a choice too, isn't it? To make him first. So Jesus is teaching here and he says, seek first the kingdom of God. So when God is first, number one, it decreases my capacity for worry. It decreases my, that means there's not so much, when God is first, there's not so much unclaimed real estate up here in my head where worry can just build a home and lodge when, when God is lifted up, worry comes down. They don't coexist together very well. So when I lift up God, whether in my thoughts, in my heart, whatever, I'm lifting him up, worry naturally decreases. But the opposite's true as well, isn't it? When I'm lifting up worry and stress and anxiety, the kingdom of God decreases. His peace decreases in my life. You don't have peace and fear, you know, dwelling in your head at the same time. And this is about choices. So <clears throat> first thing this, Matthew 6, we're going to notice five things that Jesus tells his followers to take a look at. You ready? Here's the first one. He says, look at my life. So look at your life. He invites his listeners to examine and look at what causes stress and what causes, where's the cause of stress and worry typically in a person's life. And most of the time, it's the ordinary stuff. 
We're not talking about somebody's on a deathbed and we're worried about it. That's natural, we should, but we're talking about just the kind of worry that we live with, that we tolerate all the time in our lives, that he's saying, that's not the, that's not the excellent way to live. And it's ordinary things. Look at Matthew chapter six. Jesus is talking, verse 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So I want you to think just for a second about who he's talking to. This is first century people. It's first century people. And the normal stuff of life was of great concern to them. You know that big old metal box you have in your home that plugs into the wall? They didn't have one of those. They, they didn't have some place to, it was very hard to preserve food. And so for them, it's like if we didn't catch it and kill it or buy it today, we ain't eating for the most part. So they, they, they felt like this is legitimate. You know, I, I'm worrying about things. They, they wouldn't understand somebody who has you know, rows and rows and racks and racks of clothes and, and drawers that are stuffed full of garments and then still can say, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> I know that's nobody in this room. They wouldn't understand that because they didn't wear clothes unless they were the, the super elite class. They didn't wear clothes for fashion. They, they wore clothes for protection. This is in the Middle East. It was long robed clothes, much like you would still see today. And it, 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 they had two conditions, either I'm hot or I'm cold, and I wear appropriate clothes for that. And they were worried about things like food and clothing. But guess what? It doesn't matter how much surplus you get because we're still worried about those same things, right? What we wear. Being simple was not a lifestyle choice for these folks. It was just forced upon them. And look, it's not that Jesus is saying that those things, food and clothing and whatever else, are not important. Of course, they're important. But he's calling us to have a higher way of living where they're not monopolizing our thoughts constantly, constantly. How much? How do I get more? How do I get more? We want to put the things of this world, which are important, in their proper place. It's not in the place where they're ruling our thoughts. So, therefore, he gave them an example. He said this, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Some say, I ain't got no time to be looking at birds. I got stuff to be worrying about. <laughs> Jesus says, look at the birds. He probably saw some and pointed at them. And he said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? He's like, look at this. Look, and again, this is Jesus talking. He says, check out the, the birds. They don't, they don't store food in barn. Your heavenly father loves you way more than he loves them. He takes care of them. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you on a daily basis. This is, this is what God does. He says, see, he wants to be lifted up because he wants us to know, I can be trusted with the things that matter. I can be trusted. Any of you who have ever been a father or a mother and you have a child, you are responsible to take care of them. And it's not like, oh man, what a burden, this three-year-old, you know? It's like, 
duh, there's, there's a delight in saying, I'm able to do this. He's our heavenly father. And didn't he say, when they said, teach us how to pray, see if you could fill in the blank here, give us this day our daily. Not show me where the bread's coming for the next year. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread, that I could trust God on a daily basis. I remember my life has been full of going through experiences that have had to teach me. And so many of these were in, in my 20s because I was just starting out in ministry. And it's like, okay, we need to settle some things before you launch off and mess people up, Mark. So we've got to get some things right with you. There was a time when uh, we had uh, two children, and they're both babies, and I was working, I was full-time at a church as a youth pastor, and, uh, but the salary was just, it was, they ought to be ashamed. <laughs> and living in a borrowed house, and, and then I was also part-time teaching at another church, the, uh, the English-speaking people for a Korean church, the ones who were spouses of somebody Korean, and I would take them in a room and I'd teach them, and they paid me a little bit for doing that, and I'm like, I'm still having a hard, I'm barely, I'm barely doing it. We're barely, you know, getting by, but we are getting by, but I'm, I'm panicked, and I'm worried about it, and so I, I, I'm like, I got to, I'm going to get another part-time job, because that's what, that's what you got to do. And so I found one in the newspaper. The only one I could find that worked on a schedule was it was uh, going down to the business district in Sacramento and you carried trays of muffins into the workplaces of of people and and, uh, cubicles and offices and stuff like that. And you'd come in and they would buy muffins off of your tray and they would always say when I came in oh there's the muffin guy <laughs> this is what I went to school for <laughs> and I, I was I remember being humiliated about it like okay oh I'm the muffin guy you know and and I'd pray Lord this is not working I was and I I, I, I did it you know for probably about six weeks or so and during that six weeks we had less money than we had had before and I remember praying one morning I got into I had a room that I'd go into and pray and I was praying and I was saying God it's like what's up I'm trying to do right you know I'm trying to do this and take care of my family and now I can't even do this and and he and I felt the Lord speak to me now when I say that too I'd never you know it's not like I hear son Movest thou closer to me. This what he doesn't, but he just impressions, right? So I had, I felt him speak to me. Why did you take this job? And I'm like, well, I feel like it's responsible. You know, I'm supposed to do this. And he said, I, he, re, he reiterated that passage to give us this day our daily bread. And I felt him ask me, he said, do you have shelter today? I go, Yeah. He goes, are you and your family fed today? Yes. You got clothes on? Yes. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> That's exactly how it went. He goes, all right, see you tomorrow. I quit that dang job fast. <laughs> and he's teaching me. This is, this, what he was teaching me, not just that he could provide, but he's a father. 
You see, this is, this is gonna be the heart of what is trying to be communicated today. It's he wants to be first so that he can prove, so that he can showcase how much love he actually does have for you. All right, then the next verse, Jesus says, look at the facts. Look at the facts. He's telling them <clears throat> there is not a single tangible benefit to worry. No benefit to worry. In fact, Matthew 6, 27 he says this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And we all know what the answer to that is. No. All of our worrying, it can't, it, can't, it can't bring anything good. It can't add a single moment to our life. In fact, it can shorten your life. Right? Doctors have been telling us this for years. It can shorten your life. It could suppress your immune system. It can uh, 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 disorders with our stuff inside of us what's it called digestive disorders heart conditions that we can actually lose time from our life because of what worry can do in us and not only lose time in our life lose the moments that we have miss joy miss being present with the people in your life because we're consumed with worry so our experience is not heightened as well so he says, look at the facts. It's destructive in every way. And then he gives another object lesson. He says, look at the lilies. He probably, again, okay, guy, he, maybe he sees you're, you're not getting it. Look at those lilies over there. He says, and why worry about your clothing? Back to clothing. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Jesus is reminding them that the flowers didn't work for their beauty. They didn't work for it. They just had it. It was given by God. And if God cares for flowers that are here today and thrown in the furnace the next day, you can be confident that God cares for you. All through this teaching, Jesus is saying, look, you're going to have opportunities for worry because you're going to live in uncertainty in your life. Whether you're a believer or not, you're going to live in uncertainty. It's just your choice what you put into that space of uncertainty. And that's why he says this next. Look at your heavenly father. Look at your heavenly father. He's calling us to get our focus off of just the temporary things that, that vie for our attention that try to dominate our time and our energies. He says, uh, verse 31, so don't worry about these things saying, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna drink? What are we gonna wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He isn't saying they're not important. He's saying they're temporary. These should not be the main thing. They should not be dominating the theme of what we are usually thinking about. How do I get more? How do I get this? How do I get that? What's going to happen here? He said that those are important. That's a part of life. It just cannot be the priority. Does that make sense? It can't be the main thing. There ought to be a difference in the life of somebody who knows their heavenly father than the life of somebody who doesn't. And he's saying, come on, Folks, if you're worried about all this stuff and you're communicating that, what good is it to have a heavenly father if you don't think I'm gonna take care of you? If you don't think I'm gonna take care of you. So, when God is first, 
it decreases my capacity for worry. And second, it increases, everybody say increase. I like increase. It increases my capacity for everything else. Prioritizing the kingdom of God does not ignore, it does not minimize these aspects of life that we're talking about. It just puts them into their proper place, into a proper perspective. Look at Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God. Again, read that with me again. I know we already read this one, but this is, the, this is the hallmark verse. Read it out loud. Here we go. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will what? Give you what? Everything. It's his word. <clears throat> it's his word. He promises this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Live righteously live the way he's calling us to. And the result of that is that he will give us all these other things. These other things he knows we need in our lives. Seeking the kingdom of God above all else is all about this. The most important thing needs to become my most important thing. See, we're okay with it kind of as a theology. Like I believe, if I asked most of you in here, it's the most important thing. Would you agree that the most important thing in life is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? And I think most of us, at least followers of Christ, would say, yes, I believe that he is worthy of that. He is God. He is worthy of that. Okay, now here's the second question. Not shaming, not guilting. Is it, is it really your most important thing? We believe it is the most important thing, but is it my most important thing? And that, that's where I got I to gotta stop and I, I take stock. It's so, it's so silly to lie to yourself. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we are where we are, right? So we don't have to pretend because we're, only, we're living before an audience of one, you know? It's like when Jesus said to Peter, do you, do you love me? He's, Peter finally, this is after he had already denied him, Jesus rose, and he said, do you love me? And Peter's like, Psh, you know everything. Who am I kidding? I don't love you the way I should. Okay, now we can get somewhere. He didn't say, well, go straighten up, you know, because I'm worthy. Do you know who I am? What did he say? He said, all right, come on, let's go. You're here. You're not here. Don't worry. I want to bring you there. But we can't, we can't bring you here unless you know that you're here. Is the most important thing your most important thing? Is it my most important thing? That's what it means by elevating the kingdom of God in our lives. <clears throat> and this is not about making more time you know, for God, and now, oh, shoot, I know I should, I should do this more, and I should, it's not about just now, now I got to bring God into this, and now he's competing with all these other things that are already stressing me out. The kingdom of God works like this. Prioritize God over all things, and watch how you have more capacity for all the other things. He said, put me first, and watch how I give you more capacity for other things. You're stressing out and you're worried and you're being stretched. You got no margin in your life. Why? Because I'm way down here. The way it works in the kingdom of God is upside down. Lift me up and watch how I empower you. Watch how I give you these other things. I was thinking, <clears throat> I have had a little cough all day. I apologize. Of, of illustrations in the Bible where, I, where I've seen this. And there's, there's many where it's like, this is how it works in the upside down world of the kingdom of God. You lift him up and then these things happen. 
But when we're just running after these things, I need more, 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 he comes down. And we suffer as a result. We're stressed out. Our health is failing. And so I thought, okay, where have I seen this? One of the best examples I've seen this is in the life of King Solomon. King Solomon was a son of King David. And when David passed away and Solomon became king, Solomon was just a young man. In this passage we're going to read, he calls himself a little child, but he was a young, young man. And he now had the kingdom of Israel. And God appeared to him in a dream one night. Now I want you to, to check this out. I think we have it on the, on the, on the screen as well. <clears throat> it was a Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered and said, well, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in, my, in, in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties your servant is here among the people that you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been a king or anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me, keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. See, that's how God works. It's a great, it's not like, you know, well, serve God, get rich. That's not the point. Heart's in the wrong spot. He was saying something dis, very sincere. He's like, what's ahead of me? Demands that I do this well. This is your people, God. Give me wisdom. Give me a discerning heart. And God is like, that's it, son. And then here's this thing that we keep saying over and over, Sunday after Sunday, you can't outgive God. When, when Psalm said, I want you first. I want you first. I want to do this right. I want to please you. I want you first. God is like, yes. And guess what? All this other stuff comes too. But it's making him first in our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? And his righteousness. You matter most, not in theory, but you matter most. Here's my heart. It's for you, God. You're my number one. And he says, I get it. And all these other things are important. I know. Just keep me first. Walk in my commandments. Walk in obedience. Walk this way. And watch how I blow you away. All right, I'm going to see if these people over here get excited about that statement right there. That's the facts. We can't outgive God. Look at this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, who we love. 
when first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. He got it. He sees it. Meaning what matters most will give meaning to everything else. When God is first, it changes your marriage. If two people who are married put God first, it changes. Why? Because now you're concerned about obeying God, how you treat this person. You're hearing them. You're seeing them. Because God is first in your life. It gives you different eyes to see your spouse. That's how it works. My career is healthier when God is first because it's not out in front making every decision for me, leading me. It's coming behind. I'm in charge of it. It's not in charge of me because God is first. My finances are healthier. Why? Because God is first and I prove that and he provides. My kids, these things don't just get more time when God is first. They get better. They get better. That's the key. That's why Jesus is saying, I know you're worried about all these things. Look, seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Put it first and watch how I add these other things to you. That's the kingdom of God. All right, let me give you the last point. I want to look at the last verse Jesus ended with. When God is first, number three, it gives me the ability to be my best today. It gives me the ability to be my best today. Everybody say today, today. See, when I'm, when I'm living in worry, I'm, I'm living usually in fear about what's going to happen tomorrow or in the future. That's generally what worry is attached to is something, again, the space of uncertainty about how's this going to work out, right? And so, we, again, we got this space of uncertainty and it involves fear. And so I'm worried in tomorrow. I'm living in what if, you know, this might happen. I'm not sure what's going on. And we tend, how many of you tend to think the worst more than the best? You like, I mean, you go, you go south real fast, right? You, you sneeze and it's like, I might die. <laughs> right? Your kid cheats on a test and you're like, he's going to prison one day. <laughs> you, you're just naturally, you know, there's no hope, you know? no. It's what we put in that space. It's tomorrow. In other words, look, look, look at what he says here. So don't worry about what? I, I, so don't worry about. So don't worry about what? Say it loud. Tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Where's tomorrow? It's over there. It's, it's there. I can't do anything about it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? 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 For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You could say amen to that. I got enough going on today than to try to live in what's going to be happening tomorrow. I'll, I'll meet tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll meet next week, next week. There's enough going on right here, right now. I'm not going to try to figure out what I can't do anything about. Today, I have choices to make. How am I going to live today? Am I going to live and worry about something I can't change? Or today, am I going to insert faith? Am I going to speak life over my relationships and my circumstances? Am I going to be in charge of my choices? Today is how I want to focus my energy and how I live. And as you put God first, he helps us be our best 
in today. Corrie ten Boom, amazing woman. Her story, read it if you haven't. Uh, read her book, The Hiding Place. She said this, worrying is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. That's so good. It doesn't solve anything over there. It empties today of its strength. I'm, I'm worse off today. That's what worry is producing in me. It's not changing. It's not adding anything to my life. And I'm not belittling it. I'm preaching to myself as well. But it's not doing anything positive. The only thing it's doing, it's ripping me off today. I can't be present in my relationships. I'm worried about this. I'm hurting my health. My immune system is, is suffocating. It's, it's, it's decreasing. It's becoming vulnerable. I'm not. So what do I do? Because it's like, Mark, what do, what, what do we? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things shall be added unto you. That's what he says. I'm going to ask the band to come out. We're going to close with a very uh, uh, pertinent song. I think it's perfect for this morning. I want you to think right now, though, as we do. Where do you need God to help you overcome worry so that you can be your best today? I want you to nail it. Get it in your mind. What is it? Where is it? What's occupying your child? Is it finances? Health? Where's that thing? You can't, can worry help it? No. No, it can't. We, we're, we know that. Do you think, do you think faith can? I mean, we've tried worry. What's that doing for us? We know that game plan. How about faith? How about speaking life over that child? How about speaking life over whatever that thing is? How about just saying, God, I trust you with this. Lord, come into this. Guys, this is a new way to live. It's a new way to live. He's after our best life. And this is kingdom of God living. Here's what I've found that so many of us do. And we, I've done this, so many of us do this, is we'll come to God in a moment like today and we'll say, all right, Lord, here it is. My children, school, finances, that job, I'm not sure, this relationship, and we're, we're sharing with him all these things and we, we're showing him all this stuff. And then when we're done telling him about it, we're like, okay, thanks. And we put them right back in our pockets and we carry them. We don't leave them with him. We tell him about it, and then we bring it right back. This morning, I want to invite us to leave it, to bring it to him, almost like with your hands. Like, here it is. I can't do anything about this. I can, I can make good plans and, and be responsible in these things, but worrying won't change it at all. I can't undo yesterday, and I can't do anything about something I, I don't know about with what's coming. So today... I choose you. I choose faith. Let faith rise up. Let faith rise up. Let hope be inserted into that space of uncertainty. Let's live differently and see the result. Would you stand with me? I want to pray. As we go into a time of worship, I want you just to... 
if, if, if when I ask, what is it that you're wrestling with that uh, you, you need to hand that over to God and you need to begin to think about that space of uncertainty differently this morning and say, Lord, I trust you. Would you do that right now and just tell him? Speak it out. By faith, God, you got this. I trust you. If you need wisdom, ask for it right now. Say, God, give me wisdom to know how to handle this situation. Ask for wisdom. He'll give it to you. He wants to. He delights in you. God, give me courage. What do you need today? Don't think about it. Ask him. Ask him. And Father, as we do that and we hand these things over to you, you said whatever is true and right and noble and praiseworthy, think upon these things and your peace would guard our hearts and our minds as we, <clears throat> as we give to you our cares and as we begin to choose to meditate on faith, on hope, on the goodness of our God. Holy Spirit, would you bring peace to our hearts and to our minds. I pray that this morning as we worship right now, there would be a divine exchange. We give you these cares. We turn from the worry and the stress of it and we choose to look to you. I pray, God, as that happens right now, this morning, I pray your peace come and guard the hearts and minds of our, of our friends here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord. Have that divine exchange.